Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hi, friends. This is Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon with the Still Space Podcast, episode number 35, The Most Important Letter You'll Ever Write, and Practices for Self-Compassion. Most people would not argue that letter writing has lost ground in the world today, both in their private lives and in business. The modus operandi of choice is text message, email, WhatsApp, social media, yet the art of letter writing has great capacity for self-reflection and personal growth. And when I talk about letter writing, I'm not talking about journaling. Journaling is different. Journaling is when you sit down in front of your computer or what I prefer, a hand held journal because when we write there's something kinesthetic about that coming out of our hand not just typing uh, letters into a screen but when you're writing in a journal it's a stream of consciousness you're just writing what comes to mind but when you're writing a letter there's an intention set and there's a purpose to that letter you're trying to get to a point you're making a statement and letter writing becomes much more specific if you have an issue that you're working on. So it allows you a clearer stream of thought to process what's in your mind with purpose. We tend to be more linear in our thoughts when we put them on paper. Just doing so is freeing because it funnels the most important feelings to the surface where they can be dealt with as opposed to churning inside your mind. You know what that's like when you just keep working something over and over. It's almost a hint of perfectionism and you feel stuck because the same thing keeps showing up. I'm working harder. Nobody's noticing. I'm not advancing. I'm trying to be communicative with my partner. They're not noticing. Why is this not working? And when you write this letter to yourself, it allows that stream of consciousness, but it also makes you go to the difficult things that you may be missing. I often ask my clients who feel stuck or are struggling with anxiety, guilt, looking for forgiveness, forgiveness of themselves, even to write a letter to themselves. This letter that you're going to write is to yourself to help shift that perspective from feeling victimized by a situation, by another person, by your work, by a relationship, to one of power, to action that you're taking on purpose. 
And let me give you an example. Sarah is a client of mine, a vice president at a national bank. And she was worried about how she was perceived by her boss and other members of her team. She thought she might not be showing up with enough presence or strength. She noticed that she wasn't getting selected for certain leadership teams or projects. And I guided her to envision herself 10 years from now in a fulfilling role with her family settled, thriving, and she's feeling satisfied. I then asked her to write a letter to her younger self of today. And when she did that, this shift in perspective from victim to teacher helped her envision her situation from a position of influence and she began showing up differently. It was an automatic shift for her. It's what she needed at the moment. There's an anthology, it's a book called Letters to My Younger Self. I love this book. It's written by Jane Thompson and it's a compilation of letters from incarcerated men in the prison literacy system at SCI Greaterford. They contributed writings about regretful decisions that they had made in the past or painful experiences in their youth fearlessly exposing their vulnerability. Imagine that. These are convicted people in jail writing letters to themselves, telling them things that they wish they had known. The men chose many methods for sharing their messages. Some wrote letters to their younger self or family members, even directly to the family members, telling of their struggles, how it was growing up, the difficulty of their circumstances. They reached out from behind the prison walls to caution young offenders who still have time to change their lives. These letters speak to us all. They remind us about mindset and the consequences of our choices. So this act of writing this letter to yourself, it, it was strong enough to become a book from incarcerated men. Think of what it can do for you. The process of writing this letter for Sarah was transformative and I believe for you will be the same. She traded her need to be accepted by a bad boss for her own self-acceptance. And this is an act of self-compassion. This is where you're saying, I don't need you, bad boss, to affirm me. I'm going to accept myself for what I am in this moment. I am not needy. I am not victimized by you. You are doing what you do, and I am doing what I do. And she forgave herself of limiting beliefs that she had adopted, these assumptions that she adopted, like I'll never be good enough for him, or... He's always going to be this way. It's irrelevant. That's really not part of your identity. And she saw her world from a far broader perspective than just the finiteness of a difficult situation. So how would you write this letter to yourself? Well, let's think about that. Number one, find a very quiet place that you enjoy, free of distractions, interruptions, Turn off your phone, turn off any other distractions that might occur. Have a pen or pencil and plenty of paper on hand. A journal is great for this. 
This is not an activity that involves any technology. This is you writing something down by hand. Oh, I can hear people saying, oh, that's so old-fashioned. No, not in this instance. There is a visceral perspective when you're writing something right from your hand down on paper and you're looking at what you just created. There's a much more powerful influence from it. Take a very deep breath, close your eyes, and follow yourself on a journey to a place in the future where you are completely happy. In this space, you have no worries, you are content, and feel no threats. You feel confident, you feel connected, you feel calm breathing deeply, feeling satisfied. Now you address your letter. Dear, insert your first name. You may begin writing or you may start with, I want to share with you what I now know to be true. My goal is not to tell you what to do, but to share with you lessons I have found to be important after years of experience. I do this because I care about you. And then continue to write what you know to be true when there's nothing present but you and your soul and your autonomy and all of the signature strengths that you already have in place that make you the solid, effective, kind and compassionate leader that you are. And keep the letter in a very special envelope or in the journal and get it out when you have doubt. Right. Remember this. Get it out when you are doubting yourself. It will be an authentic inspiration of all of the things that you know to be true that you sometimes forget. You've heard me in previous podcasts read to you some of the letters that my clients have written to themselves that they've shared and allowed me to share with you. It's very powerful. I want you to have the freedom that comes from that. Think of all the moments you spend critiquing yourself, your life, or others because they fall short of perfection or you fall short of what you expect of yourself. Those are joyless moments. Imagine that instead of allowing your inner voice to deplete your joy, you could train your mind to find wonder and satisfaction every day. That's what happens when you can reflect and not judge yourself in the process. This is where you rest your mind, where you're calm, where your heart is free, where your soul is content. You're just surrendering to the moment by observing all that is happening, all of the wisdom that you have, and noticing things around you. And this is really important. You can do these self-reflections. You don't need my podcast to do that. You have the power to do this anytime you want. Find a very quiet space. Sit down. Hand to heart if that's helpful for you. And just notice. 
Notice things that maybe you didn't before. And when you do the practice of noticing, what this does is it heightens your self-awareness because that self-awareness is what's going to deliver the self-control that you want when doubt creeps in. So if you're sitting in a quiet space, you might write down something simple like all the sounds you can hear. What sense you notice? What do you smell? And you might use some fun colored pens or pencils. Write down three things that bring you joy. Write down three things that have been bothering you. And really get curious about what those things are. Well, I can't get this done. Well, go a little deeper. I can't get this done. And what am I afraid will happen if I don't get it done? And who will be affected by that? And what will that mean for me? That's really getting down into the core of what it is that's dogging you and nipping at your heels like a chihuahua. You were born to be real, not to be perfect. Perfect is not the answer. So you might just close your eyes and try to quiet your mind for a full minute and imagine the static of your thoughts getting quieter and quieter and quieter and then you notice which of those thoughts if any did you have trouble quieting those are the ones that you want to address those are the ones that you may want to include in your letter to yourself think of your life as a scrapbook of experiences what image would you place in that scrapbook today What image of you, if you were to leaf through a magazine and try and find images that reflected where you are today, and I do this visualization because some people can more quickly identify with what's going on in their heart by looking at it on paper, pictures of other people. When you think of that image, what does that image say about your day? How you feel about it? What does the image say about you, your situation, your experience, how you're interpreting it, your perspective? Be kind to yourself. Think about your favorite items. I'm going to list a few things. And this is all for the purpose of building self-awareness. From this list of beautiful, imperfect things, which might be your favorite? A wrinkled note from an old friend, an awkward first kiss, sea glass that you find along the shore, a child's drawing, a worn but well-loved book, an unposed family portrait. Think of more beautifully imperfect items. This imperfection is wholesome. It's organic. It's truly you. Be your own kind version of yourself. What are all of the things that you're trying or tried to get done today? What are all those things? Some of them did, some of them didn't. What task or accomplishments will leave you feeling most fulfilled at the end of this day? Might those be the things that you want to include in your letter to yourself to remind yourself to think about or to do. 
those important things, such that doing them means everything else is irrelevant or unimportant and can be eliminated. What are your favorite sensory-rich foods? Hard candy? Chocolate? A breath mint? Hot tea? Think about the feeling of those, the taste of those. Do you purposely focus on eating healthy, treating your body with respect? This is self-compassion. Give yourself permission to be happy every day. Something you're working on isn't going too well. That is not an edict on your happiness. The situation is such, but your identity is one of resilience, of tenacity, or whatever it is that is true to your beliefs. And what gets dangerous is when we start tying our identity to a situation or an outcome that's negative. I've been working on this. It's not working out. And that means that I am ineffective, incapable, not liked, not accepted. And then we go down the rabbit hole of I'm going to be judged. I might lose my job. I might lose the respect of my family, not be accepted. This is toxic. Surprise yourself today. Instead of feeling swept along by a frenzied schedule, Stop to do one thing you didn't expect to have time to do today. Might be from this list I'm going to give you right now. Email an old friend. Take a joy ride. When is the last time you rolled down the windows and cranked up your radio in your car or pushed back the sunroof? And it, I know it's winter and it's cold, but that's okay. You can still do this for five minutes and just had a joy ride. Take a joy ride. What about calling in sick? Is it a time where you need just a little extra mental health rejuvenation? Make conversation with someone new. Sign up for a class. Make something by hand. What about all the crafts you used to do or the woodworking or the handiwork that you enjoyed in the past? Maybe it's working on your car. Maybe it's a yarn activity. Maybe get one of those things out. This is self-compassion. How about framing a favorite old photo or getting those old photos into a book, one of those online services that puts books together, or plan a weekend getaway? Give yourself time today to stare out something as simple as the closest window. It's something beautiful. Imagine that your brain is getting off the highway to enjoy a more scenic side road. In my office, outside of my window, there's a beautiful tree that I love to watch change with the seasons. And sometimes I just sit there and watch how the wind blows the leaves in the tree. And the tree stands there and withstands rain and snow and sleet and wind. And those leaves just wave at whatever the weather is. And sometimes I envision myself as that. You know, there's a lot of bureaucracy and posturing and personal agendas and cynicism that go on in any professional setting. 
and sometimes I just identify myself with the leaves on that tree just standing there blowing waving at whatever's coming by and still holding on to the tree long enough till the end of the season when it's time to take a rest and the tree releases them to the ground until new leaves come out the next year. Those are necessary endings. Sometimes some of the things that we have blowing on us are reminding us that we may need to change the environment, optimize the environment by doing something differently, going somewhere else, positioning ourselves differently, spending time with people who are more nurturing. But just like the tree, there are necessary endings to everything. We might be waving at things along the way, but sometimes things have to come to an end so that new growth can come the next year and the tree gets bigger and bigger every year. What emotions and thoughts float to the surface when you remove the distractions? What part of your day lends itself best to taking a screen break, just stepping away from the computer? where you can live boldly. Write down three fears that hold you back. Face those fears. This is self-compassion. Imagine placing them inside a hot air balloon, those three fears, and watching them drift away. What would you be free to do if one, two, or three of the things that you were afraid of You had the thought power, the mindset power to place in the basket of a hot air balloon and watch them float away. Your mind has the power to do this, but we must practice it to be able to pull it out of our tool belt and use it when necessary because our ego is very happy to jump up in front of our face and say, oh, you can't do this or oh, you should be afraid, or, and it's just part of ourselves trying to keep us safe. We don't want to struggle with the ego. It's there to keep us safe. It's why we're not dead. It's why we're not extinct as a species. However, it is not helpful if it makes us lash out or withdraw, not take risks, and not achieve things that we want in our lives. Think of what always improves your mood. When you're having a great day, What's something that consistently improves your mood? What has the power to darken your mood when you're having a great day? Really important question to ask yourself. How can you minimize that influence on you of what darkens your power? Is it people? Is it a toxic situation? Is it your own self-doubt? Making mistakes is better than faking perfections. Think of one mistake you've made recently, no matter how big or small. Now think about, and you might even write it down, why is that not such a big deal after all? Or how something good might come of it. Shift in perspective, being self-compassionate broadening the pinhole view that we look through that constricts our happiness. Consider all the people who will love you no matter how many mistakes you make. Write down their names. Include those names 
in the letter you're going to write yourself. You care for people unconditionally. And you may think that people don't care for you unconditionally. I submit to you that there are people who accept you as you are, who may not always agree with you, but who respect you and accept you as you are. They would be on your list. Now I'm going to read you a passage from one of my favorite authors and resources on mindfulness, Thich Nhat Hanh, who many of you may know passed away recently. And this is something he wrote on the wounded child inside of us. In each of us, there is a young, suffering child. We have all had times of difficulty as children, and many of us have, have experienced trauma. To protect and defend ourselves against future suffering, we often try to forget those painful times. Uh, and I will interject here to tell you that Thich Nhat Hanh was um, a, a monk during the Vietnam War, and he was against the fighting, and the country uh, ousted him. They did not allow him to live in Vietnam because he wanted, he didn't understand fighting, and it, it left him very discontent. He came to the U.S. and worked with leaders in the U.S. on anti-war efforts. Um, so the passage goes on to say, every time we're in touch with the experience of suffering, we believe we can't bear it. And we stuff our feelings and memories down in our unconscious mind. It may be that we haven't dared to face this child, this wounded child, for many decades. But just because we may have ignored the child doesn't mean she or he isn't there. The wounded child is always there, trying to get our attention. The child says, I'm here, I'm here, you can't avoid me, you can't run away from me. We want to end our suffering by sending the child to a deep place inside and staying as far away as possible. But running away doesn't end our suffering. It only prolongs it. This is where I talk about emotions, those emotions that we don't want to deal with. Then our ego comes up and says, oh, don't go feeling that feeling. You're just going to be unhappy. You're going to feel unsafe. But he's saying... That's the place we need to go. When we become aware that we've forgotten the wounded child in ourselves, we feel great compassion for that child, and we begin to generate the energy of mindfulness. The practices of mindful walking, mindful sitting, and mindful breathing are our foundation. And in mindfulness, we know that that is staying in the moment, no judgment, paying attention to our senses, what we smell, what we hear, what we see, and accepting all of it without judging ourselves. He goes on to say, with our mindful break and mindful steps, we can produce the energy of mindfulness and return to the awakened wisdom lying in each cell of our body. That energy will embrace us and heal us and will heal the wounded child in us. The first function of mindfulness is to recognize and not to fight. We can stop at any time and become aware of the child within us. When we recognize the wounded child for the first time, 
All we need to do is be aware of him or her and say, hello, that's all. Perhaps this child is sad. If we notice this, we can just breathe in and say to ourselves, breathing in, I know that sorrow has manifested in me. Hello, my sorrow. Breathing out, I will take good care of you. What powers in that? Once we have recognized our inner child, the second function of mindfulness is to embrace him or her, says Thich Nhat Hanh. This is a very pleasant practice. Instead of fighting our emotions, we are taking good care of ourselves. Mindfulness brings with her an ally, concentration. The first few minutes of recognizing and embracing our inner child with tenderness will bring some relief. The difficult emotions will still be there, but we won't suffer as much anymore. After recognizing and embracing our inner child, the third function of mindfulness is to soothe and relieve our difficult emotions. Just by holding this child gently, we are soothing our difficult emotions and we begin to feel at ease. When we embrace our strong emotions with mindfulness and concentration, we'll be able to see the roots of these mental formations. We'll know where our suffering has come from. And when we see the roots of things, our suffering will lessen. So mindfulness recognizes, embraces, and relieves. The energy of mindfulness contains the energy of concentration, as well as the energy of insight. Concentration helps us focus on just one thing. With concentration, the energy of looking becomes more powerful and insight is possible. Insight always has the power of liberating us. If mindfulness is there and we know how to keep mindfulness alive, concentration will be there too. And if we know how to keep concentration alive, insight will also come. The energy of mindfulness enables us to look deeply and gain the insight we need so that transformation is possible. I'm wishing you dedication to yourself to write that letter to yourself today, to continue the practices of self-compassion that we started today, and to open yourself to the clearing that you'll find when you practice mindfulness and self-acceptance. I have been working for the last six months on a really exciting program that my clients have asked for and my followers have asked for. It's a brand new program called Mindful Leader Satisfied Life Circle. This is a six-month group program where you have support from me, from other people in the group every day whenever you need it. It starts with immediate access to a five-module system, which I'm going to show you in a moment. But the most important part is we have weekly group coaching calls. Once a week, 
I am going to coach you such that other people can watch you being coached and you can watch other people being coached so you can learn from other people. This group learning is the best tool that I've seen. And I know this because I've joined several groups over the past year to see the value of it. I am amazed at what I've learned by watching the evolution of other people. And this is why I've decided to make the commitment to put together this program for you. Included in it, there are six modules that you'll get access to right away. We have the group calls. You will receive a hard copy that I will mail to you of Flow on the Go Guide. It's a planner full of all of the principles that we talk about on this podcast. There will be a private group where we can post things, pictures, questions. So every day that will be read by me and everybody else in the group. And most importantly, let me tell you the value to you. And I'm going to structure it in the five modules. There's a bonus six module, but I'm going to talk specifically about the five module training areas. Number one, you have clarity. That builds your self-awareness. You effortlessly spend time and energy on things that matter, things that serve you. You're not churning in unproductive perfectionism just to convince yourself that you're doing something rather than nothing. And you're noticed by colleagues for an open perspective now. People take notice. In the second module, you transformed out. That's self-regulation. You notice your negative thoughts immediately, face the difficult emotions you've been avoiding, reconstruct a new thought that serves you before a limiting assumption turns into a belief that latches on and holds you paralyzed and hostage from your dreams. You show up with confidence, with presence, instead of frustrated, withdrawing, or lashing out with regret. Turning to overeating or other vices, discontinue exercising or other healthy routines, or distance yourself from people, or have strained personal relationships. You're noticed by your friends and co-workers for your impulse control. Optimizing your environment is the focus of Module 3. That's where you have self-acceptance that we talk about. Your confidence is soaring. You draw healthy boundaries around your self-concept, your time, your relationships, your work and interests. You have heightened effectiveness, shorten the time to launch, have efficacy on projects or a job search because you're prepared with resources and connections to support you. You're not exhausting yourself on the treadmill to nowhere with more grind and hustle. In Module 4, you position your brand. Here's where you are quickly the sought-after choice for any team, project leadership, promotion, hire. You know and project your signature strengths, value proposition, personal mission, executive presence, and measurable key accomplishments. You don't waste time on what others do. Hiring resume writers, getting another degree, going to conferences, ruminating about corporate politics and cynicism and bureaucracy. You're the must-have. And in the fifth module, huge here, big on self-acceptance, you're playing big. And this is where you earn more money. You have self-mastery. You can walk into any situation, discussion, interview, meeting, and matter because you're sustainably at your best. You know how to do that and succinctly and consistently do it. You have a 30, 60, and 90 day plan and an assuredness about yourself. You have the ability to regulate difficult thoughts and emotions without the looming doubt. You see the opportunities and enjoy healthy personal relationships and healthy routines. You have certainty about you. People call you not the other way around. This is fun. 
It is so much fun to see the transformation in other people, and I'm now going to be able to share that with you in this group program. So head on over to my website, maryleegannon.com, and look for the details on the Mindful Leader Satisfied Life Circle. I can't wait to work with you. I'm glad you were with me today, and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com where you can also learn more about working with me.